Hello and welcome to episode 132 of Textmansive. I'm Sean Duberbeck from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. This week, Google held their developer conference, formerly known as uh, Google I.O., and we had a, a slew of announcements that uh, came out of that. A couple of big themes, really. Unsurprisingly, artificial intelligence, AI, a, a big theme coming out of Google. They've obviously spent a, a tremendous amount of, of uh, energy there and time there and, and efforts there across a wide variety of, of applications. And you see them working to, to drive improvements across a number of different solutions and platforms using AI as a, as a centerpiece for what they're trying to accomplish. I think this year Google did a, a better job uh, than it has in previous years in drawing the connections between the work that they're doing in AI in, in the back of the house, if you will, and the products that we are seeing as consumers uh, in the front of the house and products ranging from search to to uh, what they can do with uh, with mapping, uh, to translation. Uh, it was really everywhere. First off, them showing how they're building this gigantic machine learning uh, facility in, in Texas uh, for Google Cloud, just a, a massive uh, facility capable of, of pumping out uh, exabytes and already running 90% on uh, renewable energy. They showed it in terms of new ways of working in ambient computing. So for example, if you have a Google Nest home device equipped with a camera uh, and ask it a question while looking at it, it will understand from all kinds of cues that you're asking it the question and it, it verifies via voice match and face match. And so you don't have to start with the wake word. Uh, any anymore, you know, so much computation going on in the background just to avoid the wake word. Uh, but it is it brings us one step closer to having a more natural interaction. Uh, they talked about how they've been able to translate a number of languages that they had not been able to do before, uh, because advances in machine learning have allowed them to create these uh, language models for these languages, even when there has not been a large enough body of text available, translated text into, say, English, uh, in order to do those, those kinds of translations. So single machine learning models that can translate based on just understanding the inference and context of one language without any real comparison. Uh, they showed off something called AI Test Kitchen, uh, which is a, a little more future looking, but you can ask it uh, something like, hey, uh, I want to learn, I, I'm, I'm thinking of planting a vegetable garden, how do I go about it? And it will break down the tasks uh, in, into kind of almost a ready-made to-do list. And they showed how you can ask it several times and get slight variations in terms of how it tells you uh, to do these things. Uh, and on the less practical side, uh, they showed off how AI can be an agent for the imagination. We've seen some examples of this, uh, for example, uh, NVIDIA with their uh, Gagan uh, 
uh, demos where you can say, show me a beach with crashing waves and, and, you know, light brown sand, and it will create that image on the fly, which is incredible. Uh, but here you could say, you know, imagine if I'm on, uh, I'm, I'm, walking around the bottom of the ocean and it will explain that scene to you about what kinds of fish you may be seeing or how the water around you feels. It's just uh, really mind boggling stuff. Um, and uh, really the, uh, that, that was far from the, the whole story at Google IO, even with all of those uh, examples, uh, there was still a lot that they announced in terms of, uh, we're not going to be, we'll, we'll get to some of the other topics today, I'm sure, but, you know, tons of things around search and privacy and maps. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, very often uh, these um, keynotes have just been um, a, a tour de force. And I think after maybe a couple of years of them being a little bit more theoretical and out there, uh, they really drove this one home. Uh, and, and as I said uh, just did a great job making those connections it, it does look like things are just getting richer and that there is greater complexity that's starting to show up in, in a lot of these things greater refinement uh, which ultimately leads to greater personalization you talked about search improvements and you know in addition to some of the stuff they've been doing around real tone you can now search for things that will look best with your skin tone or your specific skin tone. So if you were searching for clothes, but you wanted clothes that that uh, worked best with your skin tone, you could customize that or, or makeup or anything else. Sure. So there's a personalization that starts to come in and you can really refine what you're searching for. You mentioned um, some of the things happening around the natural language processing that they're doing with Google Assist, and you see them working improvements there as well. And obviously that's rooted in AI, making it a more natural conversation. They showed examples. If you stumbled through your command, like I stumble through my kids' names, you're <laughs> able to, um, it will it will respond with, uh-huh, like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. What are you, you know, what are you waiting for next? Go ahead. I'm, I'm still listening. So it kind of gives you this more natural uh, interaction that that's taking place. So I think that type of, of development is really interesting. And we kind of saw those on the other side of the conversation in previous Google I.O. Uh, events with their Duo, uh, you know, platform that, creates a synthetic voice and synthetic conversation where it might call a, a pizza joint or a, you know, a hairstylist to make an appointment and it, and it hums and haws a little bit to create some of those natural. Right. Uh, duplex. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Duplex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, getting back to the search, uh, another thing that they showed was uh, this multimodal uh, capability where, uh, you could scan a whole row of chocolates uh, at, uh, at a store and want to pick out a gift for a friend who likes dark chocolates but is allergic to nuts, but you also want something highly rated. And it could combine all these characteristics and in an AR-type 
of overlay uh, will score the products in real time uh, to help you choose which are the best choices from among the uh, products on display. Uh, was was another thing. Uh, they showed off uh, location-driven searches where you could take a photo of some uh, Korean dish uh, and it will tell you where you can order that dish uh, at, at a restaurant nearby. So uh, really uh, totally agree, Sean. It's, it's a lot of pieces coming together uh, and uh, breaking down a, a lot of these barriers. And uh, it, it really it really does feel like um, one of those movies where you, you see different dis disparate stories uh, as, as part of the plot, uh, something like the movie Magnolia, right? And then, you know, at some point, all the characters start intermingling and you, you find out how, how all these stories come together. Uh, that's what I think we're seeing over over the period of a decade, maybe two decades, at uh, um, among many of the Google products and services. Well, and Google has been very clear. You know, we always talk about how uh, at the time Facebook, now Meta, went from being a desktop first company and platform to a mobile first company and, and making a, a big announcement about that, Google several years ago came out and said they are AI first company. And you really see that in everything that they're doing. In the past, I would agree that it, some of it was more looking at capabilities and possibilities than real products. And what you saw uh, this year was how AI is influencing products that are, are rolling out and, and being used, you know, they showed more immersive mapping and that's taking a lot of the data that they have and deploying it in different ways and, you know, changing the experience. And then you add on to that uh, recommendations or, or other things like that. So there's a lot happening there. They also had a large build out of their product portfolio. They announced three new Pixel smartphones they uh, announced the uh, the Pixel Watch, some of this building off of some of the assets that they acquired when they acquired Fitbit in 2019. We also saw the announcement of Pixel Bud Pro that will be available in multiple colors starting in July. If you, if you look at what Google is doing in the devices space, I, I think it also represents a an interesting contrast between how Meta has approached, say, Apple's ecosystem and how Google is doing it, where Meta has just said, look, yes, we have several of the most popular apps, but we don't have control of the platform. We need to try to go to the next level where we will have control of the platform in, in the metaverse or in at least VR. And uh, to do that, that is a very high risk proposition uh, to, to bet that uh, you know, this is going to take off, this is going to represent the post-smartphone future. And uh, it's really been interesting over the past year, uh, actually past few months, uh, to see some of the negative uh, reaction to, to the metaverse. It seems like companies and a lot of prominent individuals 
are lining up on either side. So not surprisingly, the Silicon guys are all very excited about the metaverse. Intel, Qualcomm, MediaTek, uh, these uh, companies will will help power the um, uh, will help power the the devices, the smart glasses. It's a new opportunity for them. But uh, in the other camp, uh, you've had uh, Amazon's Dave Limp, uh, who heads up their devices group downplay uh, the metaverse in favor of ambient computing, which is uh, what they have been pursuing. Uh, at, at Google I.O., uh, the keynote ended, the first day keynote ended with a subtle jab uh, at the metaverse uh, with uh, Sundar uh, Pichai talking about how, uh, you know, how great the real world is uh, and how they want to build tools that help us get more uh, out, of, out of the real world. Uh, we've had uh, Tony Fidel, who uh, developed the iPod and has been a major, uh, also founded Nest uh, and has been a, a major uh, startup investor past few years, uh, talk about how he doesn't think the, the metaverse is going anywhere, while back Nintendo uh, also, you know, kind of poo-pooed it. So, uh, so you've, and, and yet, you know, we also see companies staking out some claims. You know, we see banks opening up. Uh, a presence uh, in in certain environments. Spotify just launched something within Roblox uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. So anyway, uh, getting getting back to Google. Uh, so you've got Meta pushing this entirely new platform, and Google, which has been so far behind in hardware, uh, making strong a strong showing at at this year's event to round out its device portfolio in terms of what people are buying today uh really trotting out a product to answer just about each of apple's major uh, mobile certainly uh device platforms uh, the pixel 7 to go up against the iphone uh they are announced the pixel watch to counter the Apple Watch, uh, the Pixel Buds Pro to counter uh, AirPods, uh, and a tablet coming next year uh, to uh, to counter the uh, iPad, which, by the way, I, I thought was the least impressive looking uh, from an industrial design perspective uh, product that, that they showed off, but it's still a long ways away, so, so maybe that will change. And... Uh, you know, it's still early, but uh, they are seeing a little bit of momentum after years of not really seeing much. Uh, pixels showing up uh, on, on the market share charts in a meaningful way. Uh, they shared that the Pixel 6 sold uh, outsold the Pixel 4 and Pixel 5 combined. Uh, so, um, you know, certainly a, a long uphill road, but in addition to supporting other vendors with improvements in Android. They are um, they're continuing to take matters into their own first party hands, uh, trying to build off this uh, Tensor chip uh, just again as Apple has build off, built off uh, their uh, silicon development efforts. They're also making a big push to get all of their Android devices to work more seamlessly together which is something that Apple has arguably always done a pretty good job at really leveraging the existence of an ecosystem and 
and getting that seamlessness to work together. Google early on, when it acquired Android, was more about putting it into the marketplace and letting people decide how they wanted to use it. And you see them now well, maybe moving more in the direction of, of Apple and working to create a seamless uh, portfolio of products that can can interact and, and work together. And you did see them taking a few things out of the Apple's playbook with respect to some of the features that they launched. Uh, some of their first announcements were around Google Wallet and, and the integration of digital IDs, similar to what Apple introduced uh, earlier uh, last year. So you see some some push there as well. Uh, it's I, I would say that Google has been on again, off again a little bit with their commitment to hardware until say maybe the last uh, year or so or two years where they've really made a, a very strong commitment to hardware. And that was evident at this year's IO conference. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a little surprising, for example, to see them get back into the tablet business, uh, a business that they were in uh, with a couple of different iterations, both with Android-based product and Chrome-based product, and uh, ultimately uh, could could not compete there. But uh, to your point, Sean, the, the market has really changed. And uh, in the early days of Android, it was about trying to prevent market monopolization uh, in the very early days, uh, monopolization by Microsoft uh, before the iPhone. And then, of course, uh, after the iPhone, monopolization by Apple. Now, uh, at least on a global basis, uh, there is no such concern because even though Apple has uh, Apple's market share has grown significantly in the past few years, Android still has about 70% of the global market and uh, particularly among uh a, a price tiers that Apple will certainly uh, never offer product in. Uh, so, uh, and I think that also helps explain why they are so committed to developing technologies uh, that have a global reach. You know, all of these uh, languages that uh, you know are are regional, uh, strongly you know strongly regional, and yet you know, have hundreds of millions of speakers, uh, cer certainly in aggregate. So, uh, and, and making, uh, make, making these, uh, these technologies available in a, um, in a, in an affordable way. Uh, that's not necessarily what Pixel is about. Pixel is about being a showcase for their AI capability. So it's not about market share. And it's not about revenue. Uh, it, it really is, at least for now, uh, more of a more of a showcase as opposed to say Microsoft Surface Business, uh, which has grown into a significant revenue stream for them. And I think your your key words there are at least for now because it does feel like Google would like to have these products be meaningful products in the marketplace. Uh, I would agree that early on, it was definitely about making them showcase products, what what Android looked like in its native form, what were some of the, the early features that you could do, pushing those out to uh, a Pixel device, and then hoping that partners would adopt those technologies and, and bring it to fruition. 
Uh, I'm not so convinced that Google doesn't have a, a lot of ambitions in the hardware space. I think you see it with, for example, the introduction of the Pixel Buds Pro, which is, and the introduction of the tablet is just building out that broader ecosystem of products and, and trying to compete meaningfully against Apple, but also others uh, internationally in, in some of these categories. So I think we'll see a lot more from them. They're, uh, one of their biggest announcements really wasn't a product announcement at all, at least not a, a viable product yet, but it looks like uh, Google Glass is going to have a second life. <laughs> um, Google showed off their next iteration of what uh, Google Glass could be with a, a greater focus on augmented reality and uh, voice. They highlighted some examples of doing real-time translations with, uh, with the glasses. I think that's a really interesting feature, especially if we start traveling a little bit more. It'll be an even more interesting feature. But um, it, it shows that you know, Google hasn't forgotten about the, the potential for glasses as a wearable category and some of the functionality that we might want in those wearable categories. I liked the idea of subtitles for, for the real world, seeing what people are saying show up on my glasses uh, would be very helpful when I'm in settings and there's a lot of background noise and, and uh, you know, I want to be able to focus in. So I can see some personal use for some of those things. You know, I think this is also uh, an example of where artificial intelligence could be deployed, how Google might use that. And also uh, it's Google's play on the metaverse. So Google has not made a very big commitment to the metaverse, but they do see a lot of interesting applications in AR. And so this is uh, hardware that builds around that space. A couple of things struck me about the smart glasses demo. First of all, how relatively speaking normal the glasses looked. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say they were that... I wouldn't say they were completely inconspicuous. Uh, I mean, the frames are a little thick, uh, but certainly compared to, say, a VR headset today, uh, it is uh, much, much less noticeable. If you were looking casually at somebody wearing these glasses, uh, you, you might not, uh, you might, you might not notice that uh, there was anything special about them, which is, of course, the entire idea. Uh, I also think that compared to, say, the early days of glass, that people were walking around with this monocle, and uh, the question was, what is this for? Uh, which sort of, I think, contributed to the negative uh, connotation associated with it, because if this thing doesn't serve any useful purpose, all you're kind of using it for is spying on people and, and taking their picture when they're not aware of it. Uh, whereas here, this, uh, this live translate feature, uh, to, to your point, Sean, certainly brings together uh, a lot of the work that they have done in translation, live translation, which, by the way, they, is another application they highlight on the Pixel phones today. And uh, beyond the translation, which, of course, is you know, not only a feel-good kind of message, but uh, they also showed it working with American Sign Language, uh, which, which was great to see. Uh, but uh, be, beyond that, uh, 
one of the big questions around AR has always been, if the world has all this augmented data in it, how, how do you how do you populate that? How do you get all that information? And arguably, no company is in a better position to give you cues about what is happening, the context of what's happening in the real world and identifying things uh, as, as Google is. So, um, you know, after decades of organizing the world's information in the digital sphere, it's clear that they see this as their, their entrance to, uh, to doing it in the real world. And I, I also thought, again, just to contrast how Google and Meta approach uh, these kinds of things, uh, Meta also did a little demo this uh, week, uh, Project Cambria, which is their next generation VR, AR headset. And it's Mark Zuckerberg wearing this thing, showing interaction with this little kind of fantasy creature uh, and, you know, game kinds of things, uh, which look nice and were interesting. Uh, but were they as compelling as creating a, a new mode of, of interaction and, and breaking down language barriers among people? Does it, does it strike that emotional uh, chord? Uh, that uh, that Google was able to do with uh, with, with this proof of concept, uh, absolutely absolutely not. Uh, and I think that helps explain why it's been um, it's it's been difficult for Meta to create uh, as strong uh, a rallying cry uh, around their vision of of the metaverse uh, as it has been for augmented reality in, in general. And I think in the end, the lines are going to blur here. I think the metaverse is still a very open concept. Uh, even Facebook has been clear, or Meta has been clear, that it isn't just about virtual reality, but that it will be mixed reality, that it'll take place on your mobile phones or your desktops or other computing devices that we invent in the future. And so it is a way of, of interacting and of communicating. And within that definition, I feel like the, the second iteration of Google Glasses, even some of the map features fit nicely into a, a broader definition potentially of, of the metaverse where AR plays a, a role in accessing information and information is overlaid ultimately in the, the real space. So. Uh, Ross, do you feel like this little short clip that uh, that face that uh, Meta released was in response to Google's announcement, or do you feel like it was already in the the works and the timing just coincided? I, I think perhaps it, uh, it it they they felt that it that Meta felt it was time to show off a little bit of progress. Uh, you know, they first talked about. Project Cambria some time ago, and uh, yes, they talked about how it will be sort of a VR-AR hybrid. They talked about how some of the functionality will be backwards compatible with the Quest 2. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent uh, what 
what Meta has put forth. I think they're they're very much interested in augmented reality. And even during this short demo, they uh, showed off some work applications where you could have multiple screens in front of you and and uh, you know do do your good old uh, office uh, work uh, in, um, in in this environment. Um, but uh, again, just in terms of the the storytelling, uh, the execution on the storytelling, it's been here's here's where the technology is going with far less emphasis on why should I care? You know, what is it going to do for me uh, other than this concept of it being a richer experience? And, uh, and, you know, maybe I was swayed a little bit because they, Google put this uh, AR demo at the end of the two hour keynote and they've been drumming into your head, you know, for most of that period about how Google is here to help. Google is here to help. We're empowering, we're empowering, and we're empowering. And if you take that, you know, kind of to its logical conclusion in terms of next generation hardware, it, it just, you know, fits like a glove, uh, fits perf- beautifully into that, uh, in, into that um, worldview. Uh, whereas again, um, you know, uh, Meta just had this <laughs> short clip, uh, not a lot of context. And that said, a few weeks ago, uh, Meta had its VR games preview, uh, showed off maybe about half a dozen titles uh, that are coming soon to the Quest 2. And I, I, I noticed this in their developer conferences for many years. They they need to straddle this line to say, we think the metaverse is coming and you're going to use it for all kinds of things in your life that we can't quite describe well yet. But for now, it's about games. Uh, and here are six cool-looking games that are coming to the Quest 2, and it, it sort of morphs into this E3-like uh, uh, presentation where they just show clips of, of the game. So, you know, a, a lot of it just comes down to context and audience. Uh, and uh, I, I have no doubt that they're, they're both aiming at many uh, similar targets. Um, but, uh, but for now... Uh, Google, I, I think, has just done a better job of, of telling the story, and you know, maybe maybe they've learned a lot from the wounds of uh, of the original Glass. Uh, they know that if they don't come in with with a strong story, you know, th- there's a risk that there'll be a huge backlash, uh, and maybe Meta's experiencing a little bit of that now. And Google still has a very probably a very long roadmap ahead of this product as they develop it. It will we'll see more examples of how the product might be used and some of the solutions it will provide. I think that they will be slower with this product launch than they were with the uh, the glasses on the last one. We'll end this week's episode of Techspansive there. Again, I'm Sean Dubervac. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks for listening. <laughs>